This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Just a reminder that Oh My Dollar's weekly money advice is out this month as a cat-filled workbook. The illustrated personal finance workbook covering everything from investing to student loans is available online at ohmydollar.com slash book. We'd love to see you at the launch party in Portland at Outlet PDX on May 17th at 6.30. You can get more details and RSVP at ohmydollar.com slash book. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful, but here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbake. And that was Will Romy, our producer. Let's talk about money. So... People have written in a bunch of times, Will, asking about getting a financial advisor or finding a financial advisor. Um, and quite often, a lot of our listeners, I don't think, need financial advisors. Um, I think there's a lot you can DIY on your own. And I think a lot of people think that a financial advisor is going to be like a teacher who's going to like walk them through things and mm-hmm. kind of be like a therapist. Um, and there are financial advisors that are that and that are amazing, but they're hard to find. And a lot of financial advisors, if you don't have a lot of assets, if you're just starting out, if you don't make a, a really high income, just aren't really interested in working with you, right? Because they they make, they usually make money based on the number of assets that you have invested. Right. So I don't need the financial advisor to manage my my 50, yeah. the fifty bucks in my bank account. Right. Yeah. Or or even like my twenty thousand dollar Roth IRA is not that attractive. Yeah. <laughs> is a financial advisor more specific than simply one who advises you about finances? Yeah. Um. And actually, there are kind of a lot of distinctions in the field. And so to kind of talk a little bit more about this, we have a guest today. A financial advisor advisor, if you will. (laughs) Financial advisor advisor. Well, to answer some of these questions, we have on an expert. We have Michael Dinich, who has been in the financial services and insurance industries for nearly 20 years. Michael believes that dollars are not just money. They represent moments that you traded for a better life. After serving in the Army, Michael decided to help hardworking people get the retirement they deserve. Michael lives with his wife and two kids in Pennsylvania. I'm so excited to have you on, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So financial advisors, this is a big topic in the personal finance circles, and they kind of have a bad rap, I would say, um, in a lot of like younger, more DIY parts of the personal finance world. But how do you find a good one and where do you look? That's a really great question. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion out there about what financial advisors really do. So I think uh, sometimes when people think of a financial advisor or advisor, they think of maybe like something they would see on TV. Uh, I think if people could, you know, kind of be a fly on a wall in our office for a day, they would realize 
we actually do um, a lot more than what people realize. We help people budget. We help people reduce expenses, insurance costs, save money on taxes. And we have the same goals for our clients as people in the financial blogging and financial podcasting and the do-yourself movement uh, have for their you know, readers and audience as well. We're just taking a little more hands-on approach and actually helping them you know, on a more one-to-one basis achieve those same goals. Where do people look? Because I, I, I feel like a lot of people that kind of get into a situation when they're like, yeah, I, I really do need an advisor. Either one, they maybe don't need an advisor because what they what they really need is like, some, you know, to focus on paying down debt or they need a, like a credit counselor um, more than they need someone to help them like grow their assets, which is what a lot of advisors do. Um, but they also just don't know how to find someone. Um, there isn't like really a well, there aren't really yellow pages anymore. <laughs> but um, and like Googling kind of, I think, feels like a hopeless hole. Um, so where do you tell people to go to try to find someone? Well, you know, the first thing is, you know, the first thing I would start with is ask people on their social network, you know, are you, know, are you working with anybody? Do you know anybody? Um, you know, there's a lot of financial advisors and different things that can be found online, but particularly when working with budgeting and different things, you know, for example, I live here in rural PA. When, when I meet with clients, I'm familiar with expenses and things of people here in rural PA, right? You know, I can meet with a client and realize, hey, you know what, I think your car insurance and your homeowner's insurance, based off of my experience, is too high. Can you maybe consider, you know, finding, you know, alternatives for it? So, you know, it does help a lot of times to work with somebody local. So I would suggest that people kind of ask their, you know, so, you know, social network, you know, who's working out for you? The other thing, particularly with young people, is you know young people really like to embrace social media, and I think social media is great, and they like to have those connections. So then the thing I would do is go go into social media, and you know suggest looking for you know look for people who are writing and producing content, advisors that that fits in with your values and your goals. One one thing that I've um, kind of found when looking for advisors, and this is a, a, a little less relevant um, since uh, uh, DOMA was overturned, but. Um, you know, a lot of folks that uh, that I've that I know are queer and essentially had a pile of legal documents in an attempt to kind of get something approximating marriage and um, second parent adoption for um, their kids. And having a financial advisor that isn't necessarily familiar with the ins and outs of uh, the way you would line up finances if you don't have a legal marriage, but you have dependents or just like dealing with assets in that kind of situation, like it's really helpful to have a financial advisor that understands that. Um, And the same goes for like business owners, right? Like if you have a financial advisor where everybody worked for the big mega corp in town, but you own your own business, uh, they might not have as much experience with the kind of thing that you're looking for. So it helps to go for the niche. Yeah, absolutely. It's really about experience. You know, you see all these articles and different things online where they'll say you should find advisors with these credentials. You know, and, and the wonderful thing is, you know, most people in the industry are, in the financial services industry, are wonderful people. They care about their clients, and they want to help them, their clients, achieve wonderful things. I mean, the vast majority are absolutely wonderful people. So everybody's well-intended, and, and all those well-intended people would insist that their particular way of doing things is absolutely right. <laughs> and they very well may be right in the circumstances that they deal with. But the thing is, you know, you have to ask those people, are your experiences and the people you work with, is that relevant for my experiences and what I'm trying to accomplish? 
Yeah. So I tell a lot of people that they can probably manage their finances themselves. If they're motivated enough, particularly to like listen to the show and they're working on paying off debt or getting an emergency fund together, they can probably do it themselves. But there are certain circumstances when calling it a professional always makes sense. What do you think those are? Well, I, I think particularly for young people, the, the situations where it makes sense to work with an advisor, uh, there's a lot of confusion. I get a field a lot of questions where people ask, should I pay down debt? Should I, uh, you know, save for retirement? You know, what should I, you know, preference first? You know, what should I be doing with my health insurance costs? Should I go with a health sharing plan? A lot of young people are choosing these, you know, health ministries for health care. Sometimes maybe people work for an employer and they have, you know, choices they can make on their insurance programs. So, you know, in those situations, I think it makes sense for these young people to really kind of sit down and meet with an advisor and figure out a plan. And, you know, they consider, you know, taxes, insurance, uh, you know, a lot of advisors will say, well, you should just pay down all the debt as quick as possible. Well, we really have to look at the tax ramifications of that. Yeah. So as, particularly in those like higher income situations where you might be getting phased out of um, a couple different things, like, you know, your ability to qualify for a traditional IRA or some of the deductions, especially now that um, things are changing so much with tax reform, that tax planning, it, it can be really helpful to have someone that that knows and understands and is like it's their job to follow the changes in these if you've got some sort of situation, especially if you're in the, the higher income thresholds where you might be phased out of a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, and it doesn't necessarily be that high of an income. You know, keep in mind, like the retirement savers credit, that starts phasing out at, at, at fairly low, you know, kind of modest levels. So that's something people would need to think about. The premium tax credit that's used to offset insurance premiums, that phases out at relatively low levels as well. You know, those are the kind of things that really make sense to start planning ahead. You know, everyone likes to do their tax planning during tax season when the year's over. Well, we're very limited, you know, what we can do after December 31st to reduce taxable income. So it makes sense, you know, throughout the year, it's a good idea to work with advisors and, you know, review the taxes and say, hey, you know, what am I on track for? What programs might I qualify for? And, you know, if I'm going to try to qualify for those, what do I need to do? Yeah. Or the, you know, the panic situation on December 31st where you donate all your money, buy a bunch of business expenses. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to get a new laptop and new office chairs on December 31st. And I'm also going to max out all my retirement accounts on the last day of the year, right? Yeah, and and that can be good if you you know if 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 you have the savings for it, but if you haven't been budgeting ahead, you know it can be a challenge. You know, sometimes people get in the situation where they go, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's December. It'd be great if I could if I could put ten thousand dollars into a four hundred one k. That's going to save me, you know, seven thousand dollars off of my insurance premiums. But if they haven't been planning for that all along, you know, they might not be able to come up with the money that quick. Yeah, and um, one of you know one of the things just anecdotally that we talked about is that um, I this. This year, uh, I'm probably going to qualify for the health insurance premium. And so I actually switched from a Roth IRA, which I love and I talk about on the show all the time. Um, But because I'm self-employed, I actually switched to doing a traditional IRA um, and doing all my savings into that just because I would end up getting a bigger the health with the insurance subsidy. And, you know, yeah. that, and, and that's a great point that a lot of people don't realize because, you know, the conventional kind of financial wisdom out there, unfortunately, you know, on at least blogs and podcasts and different things, and I read them all, and they're all well-intentioned, is they all say, well, you know, throw all the money into the Roth because, you know, the Roth is going to grow tax-free and the income is going to be tax-free at retirement. And I always have to kind of say, well, not so fast. You know, what if putting the money into the traditional IRA means now your insurance premiums are going to go from, you know, $1,000 a month to $50 a month. 
Yeah. That's, that starts changing everything. Especially when you're in Pennsylvania. You all have expensive health insurance premiums out there. <laughs> well, I mean, across the country, you know, mo- most families that I've met with, you know, when we, when we do a budget with them, we find that, you know, the two, you know, the two biggest expenses, you know, typically are, are you know, housing, insurance, and taxes. Yep. You know, there would be three expenses. You know, anything we can do to reduce taxes or reduce insurance premiums is going to help them achieve their financial goals. I mean, if you can get the same coverage with lower costs, you know, that's a better situation. I, I like enhancing my clients' lives by reducing the cost of things they don't value. You, you see a lot of these, you know, bloggers and everything. And, they, you know, one thing that frustrates me is they, everyone likes to kind of pick on millennials a little bit. You I know. know we're so oh, aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Millennials, they just got to give up their lattes, right? right? And it's like, well, you know what? I, I, I enjoy coffee. That's something I enjoy. You know, I would rather save money and in insurance costs and taxes and if, you know, once in a while I want to go out with some friends and have a latte and have fun and enjoy life, you know, I want to be able to do it. I'm not saying buy, you know, two lattes every day, but I rather focus on enjoying the things that's not really adding to the standard of living. Yeah, my, you know, $400 a month in insurance costs could buy me a lot of avocado toast. <laughs> I still don't know what that is. But avocado yeah. toast? That's because you live in rural Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot of this sounds like, you know, especially with health insurance, this sounds like something that maybe like a health insurance navigator could help you with, but maybe they don't know about tax planning. Like there's well, a that, lot of different that, that, financial professionals out there. What is the difference between a financial planner, a financial advisor, a health insurance navigator, and a CPA? Okay, those those are those are great questions. So there's not any difference really between a financial advisor and a financial planner. In fact, there's no kind of uh accepted definition of what a financial advisor is. You know, financial advisors, financial professionals can be regulated and credentialed by a host of different regulatory bodies and, and you know, credentialing uh, organizations. And, you know, every, everyone that has, you know, certain titles and certain designations would insist that there's, you know, they'll try to attempt to take the moral high ground, and they're well-intentioned, you know, don't get me wrong, but they'll try to take the whole moral high ground that, you know, their position is better than everybody else's because of their situation. I think, you know, if someone's looking at working with an advisor, they should make sure they're credentialed. But really, they have to ask them, you know, what are your experience? What's your experience working with people like me? There's all these credentials out there, and a lot of them are kind of tied to the way that way that an advisor is compensated. What are the two different kind of I, there's two or three different ways that an advisor could be compensated. What are they? Some advisors can get a, get a commission. So that means when you go and you meet with them and they sell you a you know, financial product, they get paid by the company that they're recommending. The other way is they can charge a fee for advice. You know, you come in and see me. I'm going to charge you, you know, $100 for the consultation. I'm going to tell you what to do, and I'm going to send you off into the world, or I'm going to refer you out to other people. And then you're going to have to actually do the planning with them. Mm-hmm. And then some people will offer what's called a fee offset model, where they might say, look, you know, I'm going to charge you a $100 fee for the consultation. If you end up deciding that you need this thing, instead of referring you out to some outside firm, I'll set the thing up and then I'll reduce my fee. That makes sense. Based off the compensation. Okay. So what is the most frustrating part of your job as a financial advisor? Uh, the most frustrating part is when people... People, you know, because you get emotionally and, and, you know, connected and involved with people. And, and the worst, you know, the most frustrating thing is when people don't take your advice and then something bad happens. Right. You know, you just kind of hate, hate to see that. 
you know, it's kind of hard. Cause, and you, you do take it a little personally because, you know, especially if they're people you've worked with for a number of years, you care about them, you think of them like family. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially when you're like, oh, get an emergency fund together and get insurance. And then. Yeah, or, or, or they, you know, make a mistake in their estate planning documents. You know, that's the worst. Oh. Uh, you know, when people pass away and then, you know, maybe they didn't finish their estate planning. Once the people don't think they have a problem that, you know, they don't seek out the solutions for it because they think everything's fine. And the next thing you know, they pass away and the family can't access any of the bank accounts mm-hmm. or get the 1099s because, you know, the husband was doing everything online. We were actually dealing with, uh, now it's tax season, we're dealing with a couple cases of that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the hit by a bus folder, which is like, can definitely include your will, but also just includes like a list of the passwords. <laughs> Turns yeah, out yeah, it's really frustrating. Especially, mm-hmm. especially for the younger people, because you know, everybody's doing everything online. And, you know, once the account under the holder passes away, you know, most of those firms will just kind of shut those accounts down. And it can be something that's just as silly as not being able to access the family photos on the cloud. Something I ask every guest to end end with is, what are your own personal greatest money decision and worst money decision? Okay. Probably the, the greatest money decision we made was actually installing solar on our home. Oh, really? So, you know, here in, in PA, when, you know, when we first started doing uh, installing solar about, about uh, six and a half years ago, everyone kind of said, well, there's no sun here, and you're not going to make any money, and it's not going to work out. And um, luckily, we didn't listen to them. We installed it, and we've just been thrilled. We've made all our money back on this system and make a nice little profit every year. So it's been, you know, just a, you know, a great investment financially, but it's also been a lot of fun. I mean, I just value the fact that we're reducing our environmental impact, and it's been a very rewarding experience. That's really cool. Uh, what's your worst money decision? Uh, the worst money decision is probably uh, following other people's advice that didn't align with my values. Mm. So there's been a couple times over the years where I've kind of, you know, relied on other experts and professionals, and they were well-intended and very successful in their own, you know, own kind of area. And, you know, maybe, you know, because I wanted to achieve the same success, I tried to emulate their strategies. And But it would just wasn't, you know, genuine to me and, and the way I approach things. And I found that, you know, anytime I've tried to do something that's not – you know, genuine to me and, and what my goals are and my values, you know, it, it usually ends up being a mistake. The thing I always try to stress whenever we're talking about financial advice and planning and meeting with planners is the most important thing is to work with people who understand you and what you're trying to do and, and just understand that, you know, uh, you know, kind of everything works, but not everything necessarily works for you. So, you know, if you're interested in cryptocurrencies or real estate, and, you know, that's fine if those are the type of things you want to do. You want to work with people to understand those. But if you see people that are successful in there and, you know, real estate and that's not for you, then you're probably not going to be successful if you try to go down that path. So you want to find the advice that works for you, your goals, and your values. That lines up perfectly with everything we always talk about in the show, Michael. <laughs> um, if people want to catch up with you and find you, uh, where would they go? They can go to our website, yourmoneygeek.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for your time. It's been delightful to have you on, and I hope people get a little bit of clarity about how to get advice from financial advisors. Oh, thank you. I hope so. Thanks for having me. That wraps up our show for today. Our producer is Will Romey. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki, and your host and personal finance educator is Lillian Kerbake. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.